I think to take one step back, a lot of people don't see how AI is now already used. I mean, you can't do facial recognition with a, without AI. You can't do pro, customer profiling without AI. So it's already in use, but it's now becoming with the generative AI and you know all the all, all the publicity around ChatGTP. Uh, it, it, it's now really all over the place, and and it will continue. Hi, y'all. How are you doing? We're back for another episode of Hospitable. Hospitable is a podcast for the hospitality industry where we discuss and we discover um, how to be more human through technology, with technology in the hospitality space. And today, my guest is Olaf van Hopperen. Yeah. Close, close enough. enough. (laughs) Uh, He's a senior technology partner at Evershed Sutherland. It's a global top 10 law practice. And he does a lot of um, legal advice and work in the hospitality industry. And so I wanted to bring him on and and kind of speak to that today. So Olaf, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Yes, so so excited to have you on. And, and, um, you know, Case has told me a lot about you. Mostly, mostly good stories. Okay. <laughs> well, I've known him for a long time, so yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit. You know how um, how did you find your way into law? Like, is this something you knew you wanted early? T- talk to me a little bit. How you got your way into um, the legal side of things? Well, it actually started when I went to university. I went stu- went to study biology, which is completely different. But yeah, after about a year, I thought you know my career perspective is like being in front of a classroom the rest of my life or in a lab coat. So I then thought, what else is, well, what else can you do that will open up the world for you? And then I thought, well, law, it's both easy to study because it's like a course in reading and writing. Um, So that sort of set me up uh, studying law. And when I finished uh, getting my law degree, I started at a law firm and they said, well, you know, you did some years at biology as well. So you probably know technology. So you do that. So <laughs> that's how I ended up in law and, and in the technology space. And, and to be honest, it does help sometimes because you've got a different way of thinking if you've got a technology background uh, or a meta, uh, a more scientific background. So, uh, yeah, it helped me a lot. Yeah. Love that, and so I know you've known Case for a long time. And what people don't realize, um, a lot of people that don't know Case well yet uh, realize that he actually um, has a law degree himself. So, how did you and Case meet? Like, where, when, what was the origin story of you and you and Case? Well, I think I met Case about twenty years ago when he was a junior legal counsel uh, at a financial institution. Um, and well, we came in contact. He became my client then, at least the company he worked for, and and that's how we met. So, and yeah. So the story goes, and and now twenty years later, still um, still kicking it, <laughs> joining the podcast and all the good stuff, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, you know, when we look at you know this this podcast, all about hosp- hospitality yeah. and, and you know working in in legal and law, you've worked with a lot of hospitality companies and. Um, you, you know, probably fair share with the tech side of things. When you think about hospitality, what does that word mean to you, like personally? And what are some of the things that you have just noticed as is kind of 
interesting trends from your world from a legal view that has happened in the hospitality space over the last few years? Well, hospitality for me personally is about feeling welcome, warm, being seen as a guest, being treated as a guest, maybe as part of the family. Uh, and if you look at if you look at law, then um, I think about five years ago, eight years ago, the only thing I really did was involved with in technology and hospitality. Uh, was uh you know implementations gone wrong um uh, uh sap implementations that you know went out of scope and people were arguing so it was always either on a, from an it perspective getting into a fight or uh but but over the last few years it's become so data driven that um the i know so the CEO of Microsoft said, I think five, six years ago, everybody's becoming a technology company. And I think yeah. that applies to the hospitality for hospitality as well. It's it's so technology and data driven now that um that now when when five or ten years ago in this firm, the lead partner for our hospitality company would be either somebody doing employment or somebody doing corporate. Uh, and now often the lead partners are the commercial partners because they cover yeah. technology. Um, so yeah, it's massive change. Yeah. And, and you know, you talk about hospitality kind of companies becoming technology companies. And, you know, we look at, you know, you, you do a lot with data. How has, how is the industry is as we are more digital, right? There's OTAs, there's all these other companies, there's companies like Omniboost, right? And there's a flow of data, customer data. We talked about, you know, your definition of hospitality coming in and being felt like one of the family. How do and how should or, or what are the changes that have happened with the flow of that data? Because we now have more data on each customer that walks in because you have a social profile, you have a company profile, all these things. How has that affected affected or affected the hospitality industry for the better? And what are some of the things that from a legal space, you're like, whew, we got to be careful here. Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's a knife that cuts both ways. It opens up, I mean, so much possibilities on, well, on, on profiling clients, on getting your data, and not only personal data, but, you know, data on the use of products and services. So there's a whole world of opportunities. On the other hand, as the knife cuts both ways, it's it's also dangerous to be too aggressive what you do with data. And um and and now, especially in these times of cyber, cybersecurity, hacks, breaches. Well, if you look at what happened to Marriott. Uh, the Marriott hotel chain several years ago, which was quite a well-known case where they took over uh, a software company and they didn't really put do their due diligence right. So they overlooked a breach and they got a fine and it was not a small fine. It was a multi, multi-million pound fine they got because they they were breached and didn't report it. And well, the Marriott chain itself was utterly uh, innocent, but well, they bought the company, so they were responsible for it. So yeah, yeah it, 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 
it has up to states uh, the use of so much data. I mean, it's it's interesting because you can you can track so much about a person and know what to push at the right time in the right place. But that you know, with that comes more opportunities for for breaches to happen, et cetera. And, you know, it's really interesting with the hospitality industry, right? Hospitality is is global. You've got airlines and hotels and all these things that are global, but you have so much uniqueness. So Europe to to the U.S. to the Middle East to Asia Pac all have different legal requirements and, and issues. What do you see with kind of you know the flow of that data as is you know if I travel across the world to other parts of the of, of the world like how does that affect you know for a Marriott or somebody to to be paying to be to be smart about that data depending on where the location is? Well, it's it's well basically it's a huge challenge. Uh, so, you know, airlines have specific carve-outs in legislation to exchange information, but for example, hotel hotel chains don't. So um, being able to, well, you know, send your data, your the personal data of guests, for example, from European continent into into the US is challenging and 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 constantly changing because you know, two weeks ago we had the EU, the new EU-US uh, adequacy, uh, but uh, a certain Mr. Schrems has already announced that he's going to fight that at the European court as well. So we might end up with a ban on cross-continent data flows, US-EU, in a year or two again. So it's, 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 and I think one of the biggest challenges for you know all the all the legal people active in the hospitality uh, uh, industry, such uh, so the legal councils and the legal departments of of the big chains and of is staying on top of things. There's so yeah. there's so much happening. Um, we've got NAS two, which is a, a cybersecurity directive coming up, which will apply. Uh, you need to be ready. There's going to be notification obligations. You need to have the your internal processes right. And that's even not to speak of all the AI stuff that's coming. So yeah, it's 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 a challenging legal landscape for for the industry. Yeah, and and it's just, I find that so fascinating because you know, growing up, I'm a, I'm an elder millennial, so I I knew time before internet, and then when dial up came and after internet, right? Um, but we have so many digital natives coming up and. They're so used to having their data collected and flowed and moved and being able to uh, show up in different places and have all that accessible. So I think these legislations make it really interesting for especially digital natives as, as, as they travel and start exploring the world more and being more um, involved in, 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 in the travel space or hospitality or being guests. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. And then you mentioned AI, right? It's a huge topic for everything. And, and I'm a huge proponent of chat GPT and leveraging some of those, those things. But how do you see that affecting, I wouldn't just say the hospitality space, but the, the space in general from a data perspective, from a data legal perspective, I'm sure this has got to be something that keeps you up at night, doesn't keep you up at night. What, what do you, what's your thoughts on that? Well, not being a digital native, it's uh, sometimes hard to keep up, but uh, we try and we do. Uh, some of our clients are the leading parties in the world on uh, on AI, uh, so we we're supposed to be on top of it. Uh, the EU has announced the EU AI Act, which is going to be the first uh, 
piece of regulatory uh, uh, law that 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 will probably come into place worldwide, um, even banning certain forms of of, of AI. But it's, so, I think to take one step back, a lot of people don't see how AI is now already used. I mean, you can't do facial recognition with a, without AI. You can't do pro, customer profiling without AI. So it's already in use, but it's now becoming with the generative AI and you know all the all, all the publicity around ChatGTP. Uh, it, it, it's now really all over the place, and and it will continue. I, I mean, um, uh, Microsoft will some simple Microsoft will be building ChatGTP in PowerPoint, in Word, yeah. in Outlook. You know, send this and uh, send Rob uh, an email on this and this, and you know, it needs to have that content. Give me a draft, and so it it will be a digital responsive environment all around us. Uh, yeah. And that will probably apply for the hospitality industry as well. So, you know, whether you're in a hotel room or traveling or need to book a, a, a book a journey or a stay, whatever, it, it's going to be, well, it's, yeah, it's going to be bigger than the internet, basically. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because, you know, I know that there's already some different apps and things that you can do to get ChatGPT tied into Siri on your phone yep. and ask it how, like to do like, Hey, you know, I want this type of, I need something to take to a party that is gluten-free, blah, blah. And it'll come up with a recipe and here's what you need to go to the store and buy. Like there's so much that can happen, but think about that from, you know, hospitality industry, right? Like I, earlier this year I was in Cabo and, and we were looking up all the different things that we wanted to do and build an itinerary. And I've seen some of my friends who've gone to like Lisbon and London yeah. uh, and they, they put in a chat with GPT, like give me an itinerary of the best things to do in Lisbon food, you know, hiking food drink whatever and then they built in an itinerary yeah as a guest of the hotel you can you could build that in your hotel room and then you could go downstairs and talk to the agent to get everything booked like it could change the game on how you experience experiences and get those things booked and, and interact with it with the hotel staff etc yeah and, and again this also works well what we see in our practice is that it's sort of Either companies are looking at it from, you know, creating new services, new value, but there are also a lot of companies who look at it from a cost-cutting perspective. You know, I was talking to a software development company a month ago, uh, and they had been doing all proof-of-concept studies with CodeRisper and CodePilot from uh, GitHub, and uh, which is uh, which is Microsoft and Amazon. And they, they're thinking of hiring 30% less junior software developers because, you know, there are these AI tools. So you can look at it from a cost-cutting perspective, but also creating yeah. new services. And, well, it's, it's, it's game-changing in that regard. Yeah. And I, th I think that it's interesting is that, yes, it may, everyone's like, oh, AI is going to take people's jobs. It may take some jobs, but it's going to open up new jobs, new services, new opportunities, because at the end of the day, especially in hospitality, right? When we think about hospitable and what that means, we want to feel seen, we want to feel warmth, we want to feel connected in that space. So there's still, nothing is going to take away the fact that there needs to be, we are humans and we crave human connection. Right? I think we saw that when the world shut down, a lot of people didn't realize how much they needed that human connection. It just changes the way that human connection happens. 
Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. COVID has taught us that, you know, real face-to-face time, human interaction is vital. Uh, I mean, I see it in our firm. I see it in, our, in my clients that, you know, the working from home is slowly changing, at least going for, to a large extent back to the office for that interaction. And, and the other thing is that um, the nature of an AI isn't creative. And I'll get into a lot of discussions with tech, uh, technology people, but as we see creativity, and I mean, an AI has had a learning database and if it's depending on the type of AI, it's constantly learning, uh, but it can't think out of the box. And when you, in hospitality, when you want to, you know, go above and beyond for your, for, your, uh, for your customer, for your client, you will need creativity. And it's basically more or less the same as in law, you know, within our, within our profession, you've got a lot of discussions about AI will take over the, the legal profession. But in the end, if you look at, at case law, at, at really creative solutions, there's no learning database with that solution. So yeah. the human factor will always be decisive. Yeah. I love how you use the word creativity because you can argue that it can be creative in how it pulls data and does stuff. But at the end of the day, it can't be creative in the fact that our human brain, our human element, there's something to it that is creative. Yeah. And the way we, the way we interact, the way we problem solve, the way we, we be human. Because sometimes creativity comes from a rational database, a rational thought. Yep. Sometimes creativity comes from an irrational, subconscious, experiential thing that just naturally happens that you're not actually even sure how you came up with that, but that creativity is there. It sparks something. So I love that you share that because that really resonates with me um, of like why the human element and, and you know, we're both here on a, a Friday, you afternoon and me in the morning working from home, but I hate working from home. And I, and I know a lot of people are like, work from home, work from home. I'm I'm the opposite. I, I live in New York City for a reason, Yeah. right? I want to feel the hustle, the bustle. I want to feel that energy. When you walk into the city, and I'm sure you've probably been to New York a couple of times. Um, when you walk here, just walking, you feel that energy. You could be tired. You could be dead ass tired. And you walk into the city, and you're like, feel the energy from everybody else. And I feed off that, which is why I live in a city like this. I know not everyone's like that. But I do think that, you know, we realize that human connectivity human creativity, human emotion, human connection is such a big piece that while AI is amazing, it's going to do so much for us as, as the industry changes and evolves. I don't think it's ever going to take away this. And I love being able to talk on a screen. I would love to be able to do but I'd love to be able to do this more in person, right? Like something so much more fun about just being in the same room together and feeding off each other in a way that you can't always do on a screen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I mean, studies show that you know, if people communicate, only 20, 30% is actually the sound that you make, the, the words that you have to, that you speak. And the rest is all nonverbal that relays the message. So, yeah. yeah, you see a lot to have lost. Yeah, it does. And and, and I truly believe in, in um, there's this flow of energy from humans. And when you're in that room with somebody, like your you're, you're, you're natural bodies are just connecting on different levels because of, of, of all of that. And I think that creates such a unique, palpable experience in itself and, and that gets lost. So I love that. Yeah. So as we kind of close out, I you know, really want to will always uh, be traveling therefore. And so there's exactly. always <laughs> hospitality. 
Exactly, right? Yeah. And and that's what's so unique, right? And I know that it's amazing what we can do and provide people who do not have the ability to travel experiences, right? But I think there's something about stepping out and stepping onto that beach or stepping onto the cliffs of more or, or, you know, visiting some small town in Southeast Asia and experiencing the food and the culture and all that, right? And so we're always going to be out moving. That being said, I just love to ask this this question because I know that you you got into law because you wanted to travel. You wanted a, a, a job that can allow you to go across the world. Give me your best travel story. The the one time that you just like, that's whenever if somebody says, what's your best travel story? What's your best memory? And your worst travel story. The time that you're like, shit, that sucked. I think the best is, well, it's a bit corny, but it's my honeymoon. So we went to Bali and we dived with, Together, uh, we dived with giant, uh, with the big manta rays. So that was way beyond. Last year, I had the privilege to dive with with a whale shark, but six years. Were you in Mexico or where were you in? I was in Mexico last year. In La Paz? Yeah. Yeah. So did I. I did that that this year in January. Oh, well. One of the best experiences ever. Absolutely. But the the manta, the, the, the dive together with my then new wife. At ma- with manta rays, that topped it. That was really incredible. And I think the worst travel story was um, so we we have this this um, this thing in our family that once uh, one of our kids goes to high school, it gets to travel European uh, city, and I go with in this case with my son, uh, and I asked him where do you want to go, and he said, well. I don't really mind city, but I want to visit uh, a game, uh, a football game of Manchester City. So I uh, I booked, you know, a hotel. I went online to see w- w- when Manchester City would be playing, and they would be playing Cardiff uh, on a certain date. So I booked the flight, I booked the hotel, I got me the tickets, and then I don't know two months prior to the game, the game was cancelled. So I went online. And I saw, well, there's another game. Manchester United, uh, uh, Manchester City was playing Brighton Hove Albion. So I thought, well, great, buy tickets for that game. And we were leaving on a Friday. And on Thursday evening, I came home late. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to print out uh, the boarding passes and, and the tickets to the game. And I don't know if you know anything about football, but... Uh, so I printed out the, the, the tickets for the game and it says Manchester City, Brighton, Hove Albion. So I said, okay, good. But something caught my eye and then I looked again and it said Wembley Stadium. And I thought, shit, Wembley Stadium is in London. And I got tickets to fly to, to Manchester. I've got a hotel in Manchester. So I spent half the night rebooking my flights and getting a hotel in London. And when I picked up on fr- uh, my son after school on, on Friday, I said, I have good news and bad news. The bad news is we're not going to Manchester City. The good news is that we're going to Wembley Stadium to see the FA Cup semi-final because that, why, that was why the game was in, in Wembley. So yeah, that was my worst travel story. Oh, that had been, I bet that was, like sheer panic, oh, yes. sweats got on. Like, oh shit! Because you, because you had to figure it out yeah. for him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh man, I love it, Olaf. 
And I appreciate you for, for jumping on the pod and sharing and, and really chatting. You know, I was really excited because I know data is your background. So I really wanted to talk about AI and, you know, how AI is going to impact the hospitality space. Um, and I appreciate you for just, you know, spending a Friday afternoon. I know it's 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 a it's a summer Friday. Uh, weather's probably nice and, and, you know, wanting to get outside and enjoy the weekend. So I appreciate you taking some time with me here, Olaf. Uh, how can, um, you know, for the listeners out there, how can they... Um, follow along with what you're doing or get in touch if they ever have questions or things of that nature. Well, I've got a pretty good profile on, on the internet. So if you, if you look up my name and you connect it to either lawyer or data or Eversheds, then for sure you'll find me. Excellent. Well, I'll make sure to have that. Also uh, put in your LinkedIn, just they have a, a starting point um, in the show notes. So if you want to get in touch with Olaf, please uh, just click the show notes. You can find that. Olaf, thank you again for being a part of the Omniboost family. And and I know you and Case go way back and, and for jumping on the pod um, uh, and, and spending some time with me. I, I'm, I'm really excited. It was a lot of fun. So appreciate you, my guy. My pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you all.